0: to another incredible episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a really fantastic show to be sharing with you today and three artists who are joining us to tell us about it. Joining us today, we have the performer and producer, Rachel McPhee, the playwright, performer and producer, Robert K. Benson, and the headliner themselves, Gina Tonic, here to talk to us about r Productions presentation of Gina Tonic in Peter Pansexual, playing July 13th at 9.30 p.m. at 54 Below. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 54below.org. And if the title alone hasn't sold you, don't worry. These three artists will... Definitely get you hooked and ready to buy tickets right away. So, with that, let's go ahead and welcome our guests, Rachel, Robert, Gina. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper.
1: Woohoo! Hi. Thank you for having us. I want to just like clap and cheer and snap and scream <laughs> after you were giving us that wonderful announcement. Inter-
0: I got to insert like a a clap track, I guess, that I wanted to get right?
1: (laughs) Clap and laugh track. Get it. Next
0: one. In front of a live audience.
1: I'm so excited to have
0: you all of you here and to hear more about this incredible show. You know, this this hard hitting gripping drama about what really went on But No, I'm kidding. You know, it's this sounds like such a fun show. And some of the pictures I've seen from the promo bit you sent me. Wow, this looks amazing. So why don't we dive right into it? And Robert, I want to start with you and ask, can you tell us a bit about the story?
2: Yes, I mean, the story, I think I'll have to explain what a pantomime is, first and foremost. And I've made a New York pantomime, which basically, British pantomimes are holiday shows done in every regional theatre all across the UK at, like, Christmas time. And basically, they are usually based around a fairy tale or a folk tale. They involve lots of cabaret-type performance, lots of singing, lots of dancing, lots of comedy, lots of slapstick. So every single theatre in the UK does this. It's basically how they raise most of their, their yearly like funds like in every single regional theatre. It's how they pay for their, the rest of their season. And I lived in New York for about 10 years and was just thinking, I would love to do a panto here. And I was like, how would I do that? Um, what would it look like? So I really thought about all the different elements of it. There is usually a fantastic performer called the Dame, who essentially, you know, it's all just a man in the dress in the UK. But I wanted to really think about a drag queen and how they would take that on and make it a very New York thing. So about five years ago, I wrote my first New York pantomime, which was Dick Whittington Comes to Hell's Kitchen. And uh, every year since, we've we've made a new one. And this year Wait, happens to me. I want to interrupt
1: yeah. to say, I, I, I'm i also married to him. So I'm allowed to interrupt. She's that one. But I, I don't know if you said that these are typically for children. Yes. But yeah. we have made them exclusively not for children. <laughs> I, just to, I just had to put that out there. Just had to put that out yeah.
2: there. Usually it's, I didn't, yeah, it's a family show. Every generation of your family comes to see it. In the UK, some of the jokes go above the children's head. There is a strong innuendo. But a lot of the kids don't really, you know, understand what's happening. They're into the slapstick and the tomfoolery and all of that kind of stuff. But ours is very much an adult themed pantomime. Literally Um, cheeky. Literally
1: cheeky. Very cheeky. I love that oh
0: my gosh that sounds amazing Rachel I do want to bring you back in here now and I want to ask since you are not only a performer but you're a producer how did you come upon all this I mean you just mentioned you're married to Robert obviously but how did you come upon all of this stuff
1: Well, it's funny because we met in drama school in 2005 and part of our, in in London, and part of the coursework that we had to do was to do a panto and go to schools and perform it. And we also got to see a couple of them while, I got to see a couple of them while I lived there. My favorite was Ian McKellen in Aladdin, and he played the Dame and was just mind-blowingly great. And again, like Rob, when I moved to New York, I kept thinking, this is such a cool form of theater and it would be really great to have in the States or New York. I did not go to the like raunchy route. I was still thinking like, how could, how could we bring this to, to America? But yeah, I was always from, from, from day one on board with doing a panto in New York city. So it was just a form of theater that I hadn't experienced or participated in before, then saw it, got to do it, and was like, yes, queen.
0: I love that. Now, I want to bring the headliner in on the, at this point. Gina Tonic, you are the headliner of the show.
3: Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's been, it's been very surreal. like Because we did the show back in December, and this is a remount of it. And it was crazy when they were like, oh, you know, 54 blows like, yeah, I'll, sure, that's great. I'll do it. And then I went to the website to go look at tickets. Like my name is on the website in, like 50 point font. It's like the same size that like Deborah Cox's name would be. And it's like, it's my name. It's truly insane.
0: <laughs> well, it's um, I mean, it's amazing. You are the star of it. And I can't wait to see this. But I'm wondering, what has it been like developing Peter Pansexual?
3: It's been really fun. Rob is very generous with his script and allows the performers a lot of space to like improvise and kind of add their own stamp on the humor and like truly like we we did like a week long rehearsal process in December and it literally feels like summer camp for theater grown-ups because we just like played around and had fun for 8 hours a day for like 5 days. It was a blast.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm getting behind that 100%.
1: Gina also has a very important role in the show because because we're doing this for an American audience who doesn't understand the rules and there's a lot of audience participation. Gina opens up the show explaining to everybody what they need to be prepared to do to get get us really into the, the panto world. So that's always really fun for the audience to get everybody you know whipped up and excited to to drink and cheer people on and participate
3: yeah it's like the ride operator disney world who like tells you to keep your hands arms and feet inside (laughs) the vehicle at all times and all that you know That sounds so like fun.
2: Lots of, uh, yeah, there's lots of booing for villains. There's lots of cheering for heroes. There's a call and response that Gina will teach everybody. So yeah, we teach with every show that I've written. We have this introductory period where we're teaching an audience what Panto is. We have got lots of people that come year in year again, but at the same time for the newbies, it's always great. But I also think the people that do know what they're expected to do already kind of get into it and start yelling and start cheering and stuff, whatever. Like it's, it's organized chaos.
0: I love that. Now you mentioned that this is typically something that's done around Christmas time over in the UK. Is this something that you normally only do at Christmas or have you been doing this throughout? the
2: um, year? Yeah, we're kind of, this is our first time. We're kind of taking the foray into doing it in July. So it's a Christmas in July situation or holidays in July. And we're, yeah, this is our first time to see how that goes. So. And an an incredible venue to do it into.
0: Well, let me ask a question to everyone now. Now, I know this is a comedy. I know it's good fun. But is there a message or a thought that any of you are hoping the audience takes away at the end of the evening?
2: Throughout all of my pantomimes, openness, acceptance, diversity of every kind, that's very important to me. And, you know, my comedy is always like punching up. I don't punch down. I punch up to the systems of being kind of like you know, irritate or kind of need all those, that's what I do.
1: I definitely agree with that. I think just celebration, joy, embracing everyone and acceptance and inclusivity, and just come and have a fun time. And, you know, our world is so rough for lack of a better word in so many ways. So this is a time where you can just come and laugh and enjoy yourself.
3: Gina, what about you? You know, yeah, I agree with what they said. And I just, I really think it's all about having a lot of fun and, and making fun of things that can be some, a little serious sometimes. And I think that's the joy of being a drag artist. And yeah, I think it's all about having fun and kind of forgetting our troubles for, you know, 90 minutes or whatever.
0: Yes. How many, like, what number of show is this for the Pantos? You, uh, Robert, you'd mentioned you've done many before.
2: Yeah, this is what we've done. We did Dick Whittington Comes to House Kitchen. Then we did Cinderella. And yeah, this is our third. Oh. And then we, I am currently writing. Oh, I can do an exclusive announcement here. I am currently writing a version of Sleeping Beauty, too, for our For,
1: for December. Our show. Yeah. Yay! That's amazing.
2: So it would it would have been four, but obviously the um something... You know, world catastrophe got in the way of of us. Yeah, because we show. started this in
1: uh, <laughs> we had we had a workshop production of Dick Whittington comes yeah. to Hell's Kitchen in 2018. Mm-hmm. Then we were awarded the Denovan residency at the Duplex, so we did a full production of that in 2019. Then obviously 2020 happened.
0: Tiger King took that. Vibe. So yeah, so
1: <laughs> no panto that year. Yes. And then in 2021, we came back with Cinderella. Yeah. And then Peter Pan for 2022.
0: Oh, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Well, my final question for this first part of the interview, again, for all of you, is who do you hope have access to Peter Pan
2: Anyone that wants to see it. <laughs> I mean, people often that haven't seen themselves represented on stage, that's a big thing for me. When we did Cinderella, we had a non-binary performer playing Cinderella who then came out in a suit So it was basically rather than the dress, it was the suit. And our Karen here. The um, Wicked
1: Stepmother, Karen.
2: Karen kept misgendering them. And basically an audience yelled back,
1: they!
2: Like in the biggest, amazing, most like affirming way I could have even ever imagined. Like I started writing this stuff and I talked to performers. I was like, am I doing this right? Like, I don't know. And everyone was like, yes, you are. You, you, are, you are writing humanity, that's all you're doing. You know? And to actually hear that and see that and see this performer actually have their pronouns like shouted back at them was a, a huge, emotional, funny, incredible moment.
3: Oh, I love that. Gina, what about you? Who do you hope have access? rich people with lots of money <laughs>
1: yes. yeah that's too. so we can do that this would. up honey let's do it or do it <laughs> up. <a> good answer <laughs> rob <laughs> gave the like an altruistic answer. <laughs> answer gina gave the answer that we need <laughs> but My we people. need <laughs> the rich people to get it to you know more yeah. folks so yeah. Great answer, Gina. There we go. And keep going with that. <laughs> Elaborate more. <laughs> um also my birthday
3: is in five days, and the only thing I want is a manager. So managers and agents come oh, to
1: Oh yes.
3: Okay. I'm smart and sounded and funny. And yeah, period. Sorry. That was a very self-knowledge answer. But it's
1: um, good. But well, Gina, I-
3: our, our agents are coming to see this. So. Great. I also hope people see themselves. What's what's a good answer? What's a good pageant answer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what makes me sound like a nice person be able to see the show and see themselves
1: i'm looking forward to i'll 61. get it back towards the public i'm looking forward to our december production which is going to be at caveat um, oh, because think,
3: yes yeah. because
1: i think that oh i didn't know I that. she's getting the announcement live oh
3: that'll be so, so fun
1: Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to that because the tickets, you know, obviously we want to make this accessible to artists as well. And 54 Below is a gorgeous, fantastic venue. It is a little bit more expensive. At Caveat, you know, we'll have the opportunity to not have a drink minimum or, or things like that. So I think it will be even more accessible to everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to that. In the past, we've been at venues that, you know, on top of the ticket price, there is a drink minimum, which I know can be tricky at times for some of our artist friend folks or just other people in general. So I'm I'm very excited to to bring that level of inclusivity in
2: And also we've had a lot of like non-theater folks coming to see this. this. is like literally their first introduction into kind of any theater and I think having a drink in hand and being able to yell and shout I think it's just like the best way and they, you know, people might consider it going to see something else but come and see us first. It's 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 open to everybody and I think it is yeah, it's more accessible in many ways.
0: to shift things up for our second part and let our listeners get to know all of you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows, for instance, inspire you or are some of your favorites? And Rachel, I'm going to start with you on this.
1: Well, I love Mr. Stephen Sondheim. Like I am dying, 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 dying. To do a Sondheim show. Um, I think that's hands down my favorite musical musical theater person, world person. I am definitely a musical theater kid, grew up in that world, grew up doing musicals my whole life. I did move to New York. You know, I'm old. So when I started auditioning for musicals in New York City, I remember going to one audition and, and somebody said, Why are you wearing pants? You're pretty. This was probably like 2006. And I was like, You know what? I don't obviously things have changed a lot since then but I I was
3: in the show
1: and like I don't know maybe I'll take a step back from the musical theater world again that was a very long time ago sorry that was very tangential but I just remembered that incident and it was funny bizarre sad weird shows how far we've come anyway inspiration I mean I love anything that's just theatrical shows that are like theatrical you know something like Peter and the Star Catcher comes to mind I also you know I my formative like training years were spent in the UK and so I got to see a lot of amazing theater at the National Theater and just these tremendous classically trained actors that just every move that they make is so specific and beautiful and defined, like you know, the smallest gesture with a prop is just so full of everything. And being able to see that from far away is just really inspiring and incredible to me. But I'm just like the ultimate theater nerd. I I love seeing anything and everything. And I think that I had a little bit of a period where I was a bit cynical about the things that I saw and it was hard to remove the hat of like, looking at people's performances and almost criticizing them or criticizing the writing or the production value. And I think I've entered a new era of just the joy of seeing people create something and perform. And that's been a really fun experience for me. I don't know how I came to that, but that's been where I've been recently, just enjoying anyone who has the guts to put something up, put themselves out there. That was probably not an answer to your question, but cast me <laughs> in a on Rachel. time, play, she's pretty, why are you wearing pants? And I love theater. So, and scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love, no, that was a great answer. I love that.
3: Gina, I'm gonna bounce over to you now. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I'm really inspired by a lot of things. I actually really gravitated towards Rachel like I love theater that's really theatrical. I think our show is very much that, you know, there's the flying moments in our show are all sort of mime and that's very funny. I love, I think part of why I love drag is I love performance that is acknowledging that everything on stage is fake. You know, it's like, I I love the kind of you're in on it, the kind of wink, wink, like this isn't real. I also am a huge fan of, there is a playwright from the 1980s-ish called named Charles Bush and Charles oh. Bush was a, is, I mean, he's still alive, a drag performer in like the 70s and 80s and wanted to be an actor as well as a drag artist and wasn't finding the work as a, a drag performer in theater, which I relate to sometimes. And so Charles Bush started writing plays that were very similar to our show, uh, parodies and satires of like classic movies like Gidget and like Sunset Boulevard and things like that and kind of like modernizing it for like a 1980s New York City audience but I'm really inspired kind of by the work Charles Bush has done because he was basically making starring roles for himself you know and I think we're living at a time when you know I go out and audition for things and of course you find out that they've cast another drag artist who's maybe from a very popular television series that I think we all know about. And so it's hard sometimes to get work. And so I really really appreciate Rob and Rachel for hiring a local drag artiste who, you know, is, is not famous from television. And I'm really, I really am inspired by a big part of why I do, I mean, I started out in theater and came to drag through theater. And so I think a big part of my career and kind of where I've come to is from creating my own way you know i think for a lot of us that's the case and so i'm really inspired by artists like charles bush who kind of create their own way create their own fantasy and get to do whatever they want because we're artists you know and that's that's the joy of this this industry
1: i completely agree i like i often say that the people that i you know admire the most are people that wear multiple hats and write and make their own work and produce and direct and act like and i and i really just do think that's the way of the future, the wave.
0: I love that. That's a great list, Gina. Thank you for that. Well, Robert, let's round out this with you. What or who inspires you?
2: I would say my, I mean, my favorite playwright, living playwright now is Jez Butterworth. And I just, for me, it's the lyricism and the kind of dark, really dark material often. But like, it's just, there's the funny, human funniness, like, all the way through. And um, my favorite is yeah, Mark Rylance in Jerusalem is still probably my favorite performance on stage ever. I come from the West country where the play is set too. So it just, it has an even bigger meaning for me. But watching a performer walk onto stage so in character and then in his first moments, like do a handstand and dip his head into the water. It was just like an incredible thing. And especially when you think about the fact that he's not a very big man physically, but when he plays Rooster, he fills the space. He's like the biggest thing you've ever seen. And that's that kind of stuff inspires me. And yeah, I I, I always love drama that has like a heavy dose of comedy. Like make him cry, make him laugh. Like that's, I love that. And that's, that's what really theatre you know, really grabs me. I want to be laughing and I want to be crying in like literally the same beat. I think that is just like, that's the magic of theater. Yeah. That, yeah. that's, that's that's my big inspiration. Although this week or last week I saw Fat Ham and Sorry. I saw Leopold starred,
1: literally. Literally like opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. in terms of genre, but we loved both yeah. of them equally. So, but also like, I love theater so much that when I sit down and when the lights get dark, I literally start crying because I just love theater so much. And I get so excited. I also cry at the drop of a hat, but I just get so excited that everyone has come together to create this and provide this experience. Like, yeah, so, you know.
2: And it's great to be back in a theater, Mm, you know, for so long we were out of theaters and just like, and just, Knowing that we can do this I and mean, it can be robbed from us so quickly, and just you know, I've spent my life doing this, and then to have not been able to see any for like a while, really just like rejuvenates you actually, and makes you realise that like whatever the fuck I'm seeing, I'll, I'm I'm happy to I'm I'm happy it's there, and I'm happy to see it, and I'm and I'm happy that people have bothered, you know, what I mean, and, like. It, it it's so hard now. It's so hard with how expensive it is in New York to put anything on as indie theater people. And the fact that people come out and still do it and are still fighting the fight, like it that that is amazing to me.
0: Love that. Well, kind of building on what you'd mentioned, have any of you seen any great theater that you might be able to recommend to our listeners?
2: baham Ham, incredible, very, very funny and has its moments of, of darkness and brilliance too. I, th- I thought it, I was just, and then its ending is just so like.
3: Yeah, the ending it's... is mind blowing I saw Fentham Off-Broadway. Right. Andrew, have you, you haven't seen it, have you? Oh you yeah, watching? oh yeah. Okay. The, Off-Broadway, it was really insane because I won't give anything away, but the big reveal at the end of the show, you don't see it coming. Mm. Because you're in this black box theater and it's this like one single set and you don't ever think that there would anything would change. And then the big change happens and you're like, holy F, like this I is know. so wild. And like, of course, as a drag performer, like the ending is just was so fabulous to watch. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What a, what a beautiful display of like Black queer joy, which is oh, absolutely a yeah. yeah. So I will say, and this may be controversial and you can cut this out if you like. But as a as a queer Jewish person, I am so sick of seeing plays about AIDS and the Holocaust. I'm right. So like Leopold Stahl, I'm not going to sit through three hours of Holocaust trauma, but you know what I want to see? I want to see queer Black Joyce. I laugh at him. I'm sad it did not
2: win Best Play and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah. But Leopold Stahl, the for me, the familial and just like looking, it, it, for me what drew me to it more than the, the horror around it is the, the the familial like relationship that's explored and just looking at like this one particular family and I know it's it's been done before you know unfortunately it has to been done but um uh, Stoppard just his language and the way he plays and the way he like makes a family really come to life for you um yes that would be my only like, and I, and I I fully understand when we're we've done lots of plays about that and we should also see plays about other things but there was something about this one that really Tom Stoppard I think is just the way he writes
1: it yeah Fat Ham was just ah uh, and people need to run to see that because yes. it's closing on July second yes. but. Gosh, that was so good. Something I really wanted to see, but I don't think we're going to have a chance to see it because we're traveling and just like, I feel like the summer is like over. Yeah. I really wanted to see Wet Brain. Did you see that, Andrew?
0: It was it was really, really good and bizarre. It was a show that I had the good fortune of someone giving me the heads up, read the playwright's notes before the show, or there's a there's a moment towards the end that will just like, it'll catch you off guard. You'll be like, what? And the the note wasn't like, you know, pages long. It was like a little half page blurb. And I read it and I was like, oh, okay. And it made the show make so much more sense because the way they describe it makes you go, what are we getting into? But then when you read the playwright's note, you're like, ah, because yeah, it's, it's a sci-fi great family drama story. And it was, it had playwrights and MCC's fingerprints all over it, all over it. And so it was, it was cool. It was really well, it was a great conversational drama. The The story didn't necessarily like, the characters didn't necessarily move or or grow or anything, but it was just getting to see that snapshot moment in their lives. That was just so, so good.
3: Mm.
2: So... Yeah, it's a shame you guys didn't get to
1: see. I know. I just don't think we're gonna be able to squeeze it out.
2: Yeah. Ugh, we're in Wisconsin right now. Yeah.
1: And then we have we, we hit the ground so... running for a Panto rehearsals. So
2: and then we're in the UK in August. So we are just we are everywhere.
1: So. Well it closes on July 2nd, too. Oh. Everything okay. closes July 2nd. It's a big day, July 2nd.
2: It's moving day.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, but yeah, it was it was a great show. Well. Let me ask you all this. What is your favorite part about working in the theater?
2: When you get a really, really fantastic cast. And the amazing thing about Panto now is we pretty much have a a company of actors that return and return. So I start writing, knowing whose voice I have in my head. And that is that's just an incredible privilege. An incredible privilege to see these guys come alive as just like clowns amazing clowns on this stage we just have such a great comic ensemble that just know each other well now and like catch each other and just like moments like that moments like what I really love is seeing another performer give generously and then also be ready to receive mm. and if if I see that and I see that with my writing I'm like whoa and also when people build on my writing too, I find that very exciting. If it goes off in a completely different time, I'm like, that's not funny, but whatever. At least it was tried. But I do love when it's built upon and then it becomes another animal and it becomes something else. And especially in Panto, the freedom of like literally dropping off the edge of the cliff and letting the audience catch you and letting whatever is going to happen, happen. And so being really alive to receive that, that's what I love about theatre. It's just a a really good theater is being alive in the moment and being alive to everything in your environment and how it may affect any given performance.
1: I'll like jump on what Rob was saying about, you know, being alive and being in the moment and just the fun of theater, just the fun of it never being the same. Like it's always going to be different. The energy is always going to be different. You're always going to be walking in with whatever happened to you that day. The audience is going to be walking in different every every day. And I think just you know, being willing to accept that and being able to accept that it's going to be different every night and it's not going to feel the same every night. And that's kind of the beauty of it. I also just absolutely love to laugh and making people laugh. Like it is like my greatest joy in life to make people laugh. So I love doing this show because Rob gives me like really great fun material to work with. She plays Captain Hook. I'm Captain Hook and he's me. So, you know, it's just, so much fun. And I just, I, I, I love making people laugh. I love the, that that's one of my favorite things, especially about this project in particular. And again, what Rob said about this project in particular, the cast is top notch and a wonderful ensemble. And it's, they're just so much fun to work with. I'm in awe of them. I'm truly in awe of them and the inventiveness they have and how intelligent everyone is. And, you know, people just like and, you know, it's funny because you you sit there and you go, oh, this is just like kind of like stupid slapstick comedy. But in order to make it good, I mean, we've sat there and we've like spent time breaking down jokes, like breaking down like a poop joke, you know, just to make sure we're getting the laugh because it's, it's a science and it's an art. Yeah. So it's but anyway.
2: Yeah. Making people laugh is a very serious thing.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: You know, so for me, it's very interesting because I come from a perspective as a drag artist where most of my performance work is a lot of solo work. And so what I love about doing theater is getting to work with a group of people to put something together to collaborate, you know, being in a room with like lots of different minds and just it all kind of coming together. Um, I think that's what I love about it most.
0: I love that. that's fabulous. Well, as we wrap this up, we have now come to my favorite question to ask, which is what is your favorite theater memory?
1: This is a great question. I've been doing theater since I was five years old. My father was a theater director, so she's 40 now. So she's got a lot to harvest from. So I'm gonna have to think about this for a second.
3: I can can go first if people need time to think. Yes. Um, I have obviously tons of great theater memories, but I think one of the most formative for me, obviously, was my first time in drag on a stage in front of people was in my college's production of the Three Penny Opera. I had done like you know drag in my mom's closet when I was a kid, like that sort of thing that we all do, you know, put on your mom's heels and all that kind of thing. But I, our, my school did this the musical Three Penny Opera, which is a weird, obscure musical from the thirties. So you know, my 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 given name is gender neutral. And so they had auditions for the female ensemble and I, I call, well, callbacks for the female ensemble and callbacks for the male ensemble. And I look at the callback list, and my name is on the female callback ensemble list. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I go to the stage of my office. I was like, oh, like, hey, like, I think there was a mistake. Like, my name is gender neutral. So like, they probably thought I'm a girl, but I'm a guy. Like, I should be in the guy ensemble. And they're like, oh no, the director wants, you know, someone in the female ensemble to be a guy in drag. Like, would you be okay with that? And I was like, would I be okay with that? <laughs> 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 I think RuPaul's Drag Race had just come out. That's how old I am. And so I was like, oh, would I be willing? And so, of course, I get to the callbacks. I'm the only guy called back for the female ensemble. I was like, okay, clearly they want me to be this part and drag. So I was, I was one of the, one of the prostitutes in, in that ensemble. And I was also one of the, you know, we had undergraduates in the show as well as grad students. And so I was one of the only undergraduates with a line, which is a big deal. That is a big deal. It was, it was really fun. And I, I rented a pair of, three inch heels from the costume shop honey you know not messing around and i would like walk around in campus with the heels on to like get my practice and i had this big big fabulous blonde wig like marge simpson and um it was just really fun like getting to like be a crazy slutty beautiful woman and like i remember in my directing class one of my classmates was like yeah my my she's a girl a you know straight woman and she's like, yeah, my boyfriend came and he loved you. He thought you were so hot. And I was like, yes. And like, So yeah, so I think, you know, doing Dragon theater has always been such a good memory for me. And that's why this show is such a good memory as well.
0: Oh, Gosh. yeah. I love that. That's amazing. A very long way to answer your question, but. I want to see pictures now.
3: I want picture. Receipts or it did not happen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll, send some, I'll send some pics. It's really funny because this was a long time. Drag, drag in America has come a long way in the last twenty years, and this was also a production where we, the prostitutes were meant to look like little Victorian dolls. So my makeup looked truly insane, but it was it was a fun time.
2: It was a good time. Yep. Yeah. Who would like to go next? Okay. I think my favorite memory was getting to play one of my all time roles, which was Richard the Third. Uh, I got to do it in my hometown and but the story behind it is I did a very ill-fated horrible schools tour of the same of the same production we were doing uh Richard III well actually I was in rep doing Richard III doing The Tempest and Much Do About Nothing and someone in their wisdom decided that I was going to play Richard III Benedict and Prospero. So keeping those three plays in my head while we toured the armpit of England was <laughs> pretty crazy. And, and there were moments where we we turned up ready with the set of like at uh, the Tempest. And the kids are like, We're doing much ado. So we were like, oh, oh, okay. We we better like somehow manage to cobble together much Ado do <laughs> in the wrong costumes and set. So and 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 then what what I think one of the bleakest moments of that with going to a school that hadn't been built yet. They gave us the directions to the school in Liverpool and we turned up and they, the the production company had given us the wrong address. So we had to hightail it across Liverpool within about half an hour, turn up and like, yeah. So that was like, it was great and awful, at the same time, uh, but me and my friend Tristan met on this tour and he happened to come from Bath, which is like 20 minutes away from Bristol. And he was just like, we're going to do richard the properly when we get back to the city we're going to do it properly and you're going to get the, the audience you deserve and i was like you know that's really nice and people say that stuff all the time And i was like whatever okay but he he carried on pursuing this and we got back to bristol and i was living between bristol and london at the time and he was like what if i put on a production of richard III? would you want to do it and i was like yeah of course i would and so yeah i got to play richard the third for three sold out weeks in my local theater in front of a, a famous director from that area that never employed me but uh <laughs> but yes I got to play one of my absolute dream roles with some of my favorite people in the world and if I don't get to play or do any of my other dream roles I did it and we aced it we got great reviews we sold out I, I, I can't complain it was amazing
0: oh I love that well, that leads us to you, Rachel. What is your favorite theater memory?
1: Okay, I'm going to have to share a couple. You know me. So I was actually Dolly Levi at the wonderful, appropriate age of 18. And honestly, I better revisit that. I better. You
3: better, Rachel. You would be so funny. <laughs>
1: work. And you better revisit. But one of my memories from that was I had like... It was so extra. My mom is like, my mom is like a theater woman. She's always been like a costume designer. And when I got this role, my mom was like, we're doing the costumes. And I had like, literally like, it was like drag queen level changes. It was like, I would come out for like one moment and be in like, had to a outfit. And there was this one dress and it was so pretty, but it was a little tight. And it was my, before the parade passes by dress. And we literally had like two seconds to get into this dress. And my mother and I, my mom would like help me get into it. Like, and we would be like praying and she'd be like, let out all your air, let out all your air. And then just like, like zip it up and push me out on stage as like an 18 year old child playing freaking Dolly Gallagher Levi. Anyway, that's the funny one. Then I also had the opportunity to produce a production of Midsummer Night's Dream that was, I used to live in Astoria in an apartment that had this gorgeous backyard filled with like flowers and fruit trees. And so a couple of friends of mine and I said, this would be a great venue to do Midsummer Night's Dream. And we did it. We sat 45 people. We borrowed chairs from the local elementary school. We were sold out every night. And I played to Tanya in like a magical July, 2010 production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was just so fun. And I remember one night, some little kids were playing. It was the way it was set up. There was kind of like a street that could look down into this backyard. I don't even know how that was possible, but anyway, one night, some little kids were like looking over into the show, watching it. And that was just really sweet and lovely. And I think they came back again, which was cute. And we did another outdoor production also in Astoria uh, called the Minerva, which we made free for the public. And that was also really fun. It was in Athens Square Park, which is a very busy area. And it was just really fun to commune with the the neighborhood in that way. So good. Yeah, those are, those are mine.
0: I love those. What wonderful memories, all of you. Thank you all for sharing those. Are there any other productions or projects that any of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug?
2: Our next Panto will be in early December. It's going to be a party of Sleeping Beauty, and I am about halfway through it right now. Um, What are our dates?
1: December 2nd and December 9th. Excellent. And it's going to be a caveat. And you can get all the info at www.rndrproductions.net. You want to plug, Gina, anything? Want to plug anything?
3: Yeah, I have I have lots of fun stuff coming up. Actually, just a couple days after Peter Pan's sexual, I will be hosting and performing in a show at the West 103rd Street Open Street Program. Ooh. It's going to be like a day-long, free-to-the-public outdoor drag show. So come see that and you can find me on social media, genotonic NYC, that's genotonic like who I am, NYC like where I am, because so I'm always drunk and I always forget those two things. And I list all my future upcoming performance dates. So if you're listening to this, Five years in the future, and the world planet is still here. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Not full of
3: smog, Not
1: full of smog, smoke. And... Just
3: find, me, find me on social media. I also post on social media stories about LGBTQ history and songs and silly jokes and fun things. So come find me, and let's have a good time.
0: Amazing.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, my final question for this interview is... If our listeners want more information about Peter Pan Sexual or about any of you, perhaps you would like to reach out to you. How can they do that?
1: Well, you can slide into my DMs on Instagram, uh, R L McPhee, also NYC Panto, our website, rnrproductions.net, my personal website, rachelmcfee.com, and also 54 Below's website, 54below.org. There also is a really good discounted ticket sale going on right now at gold star Ooh. so if people search peter pansexual on the gold star website there is some there are some nice discounts there so that's my laundry list but yeah come out have a cocktail well, no, say, watch how, a show. say how you can be looked up or oh contacted.
2: yeah <laughs> www.thisisrobbenson.com is my website
1: no it's Rob Benson. it works you get that okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> or www.robbensonuk <laughs> there we go. I'm there. I don't know these things. The the mechanics uh, that sits next to me and I just, I write stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, Rachel, Robert, and Gina, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this incredible production. I I'm loving it. I cannot wait. This is incredible. I'm so happy that we connected, and I stumbled upon this. I guess you guys stumbled into me. Like this is great. We just bumped into yeah.
1: Everyone was just stumbling. stumbling, stumbling.
0: Instagram, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, Instagram. The wonderful world of Instagram. So thank
0: you all for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. We appreciate oh, yeah. you. Thank,
1: thank you. you. Thank us time.
0: My guests today have been the performer and producer Rachel McPhee, the playwright, performer, and producer Robert K. Benson, and the headliner for the show Gina Tonic, who are all involved with RNR Productions' presentation of Gina Tonic in Peter Pan Sexual, playing July thirteenth at nine thirty p.m. at fifty-four below. Tickets and more information are available at 54below.org. And we also have contact information for all of our guests. So you can follow them and reach out to them that will be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media, but hurry, run, don't walk right now to 54below.org. Get your tickets for Peter Pan Sexual playing July 13th at 9 30 PM at 54 below. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones,
3: unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater.
1: In a (laughs) stage.
3: Thank you. (laughs)
1: you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe
0: you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod
1: and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage at gmail.com
0: our theme song is maniac by jazzar other music on this episode provided by jazzar and billy murray